Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. It's such a great pleasure to have you listening today. And as always, shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles with Suttles Solution to help this make help make this podcast possible. I'm excited to introduce today's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Don Crossan, licensed psychologist and certified trauma therapist on the podcast. Excited to hop into today's subject matter. Don, how are you? Hello, I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, is it Good. snowing near you right now? I know there's yes, a we got nor'easter going on. <laughs> we got dumped up in Harrisburg. We got dumped. How much did you get? Uh, you know, I haven't checked. The last I looked, it was about 10 inches. So, uh, but I'm not really sure where it ended at because it was still snowing this morning. So, <laughs> well, some of our listeners know the struggle. Um, I know the struggle being from New York myself. <laughs> um, for those that don't, you're not missing out. Uh, we appreciate you being on. I always love to make sure that our, our audience gets a chance to meet our guests. So mm-hmm. really quick, introduce yourself. Let them know what you do. Hello, my name is Dr. Dawn Gullett Crossan. I use Gullett, that is my maiden name, but I also use that as my middle name. I am a uh, licensed psychologist. I've been in the field for about 24 years and I started doing uh, trauma work in 2002. I got certified um, from the CARES Institute about five, six years ago, and I'm actually going to be going nationally certification within the next 30 to 45 days. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. So I have to pull back and and go to the beginning of the story. What Mm -hmm. started you on this journey? I I know there's a lot of times where for myself, if I talk about the the journey that got me into media, there's a point where I kind of made that decision to go for it. What was, Mm -hmm. I guess, your eureka moment where you decided, okay, this is the path I'm going to take it and move forward. And how did that pan out? In terms of psychology or trauma? Um, let's start with the psychology and then psychology. So, um, my undergrad is computer science It's actually general arts and science with a computer science concentration. I went to Penn state university main campus. And so I was, you know, kind of back then when I came out of high school, which I, you know, I don't want to date myself, but being an engineer going into the science field was the thing that people of color were kind of driven to do. My mom had already been like, you know, you really need to look at that. And I like computers. So I went to Penn State for um, computers. Coming into my senior year, I got pregnant. I got pregnant with my oldest son and I had a bunch of electives left. So I'm about to graduate. Um, you know, just a side note, I lost my parents my freshman year. So both my parents died my freshman year. And so I had a really rocky undergrad experience. Um, a lot of uh struggles, mental health, you know, depression, those types of things, anxiety, that kind of thing. And so by the time I got to my senior year, I was a little bit more stable and I got pregnant with my oldest boy and I had all these electives. And I was like, okay, I went and I remember looking and saying, I got to take these electives. What should I take? And these psychology courses stood out to me, one of which was victimology. So I, I, I uh, enrolled in victimology and absolutely loved it. Love, love, loved it. It was like a natural thing for me. It focused on the forensic pieces of psychology, like what would cause someone to become a serial killer and those types of things. And it's talked about raising your children right, because if you raise your children right, it decreases the chances of these deviant behaviors. So it was just like this really awesome course, loved it. Um, But I was a senior at this point. It was no way incarnation. I was going to switch my major. I'm like, I got to get out of here. I got this baby coming. (laughs) So I was just, you know, really enamored. I had took a couple of 
courses like that, victimology, child development, and I really did well in them, excelled second nature. So I graduate, I go on and I start doing some programming, didn't really like it. About a year and a half, two years, I did some computer work, didn't like it. And um, I said, well, I think I need to go back to school to find like my career now. I got this undergrad, but it's not really my thing. Let me go back to school. And I was like, you know what? You love psychology. Let's do it. And that's when I got back into Penn State um, and went for community psych. And then I got my doctorate from the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine and um, clinical psychology with along with another master's. And so that's kind of how wow. I got in there. Yeah. And I, I first I just want to say say kudos and acknowledge something really quick going through your college career. Um, I mean, most people listening probably think back of their college career and it's the frat parties. It's yeah. the, the great times and, and, and all that. Right. Your experience completely different than what most would would kind of maybe think of uh, right. parents freshman year going into your senior year, um, starting to maybe start a family of your own. Yeah. What got you through those four years? Because I hear a, I hear the drive. I hear the, the, the ability to kind of just go for a goal and accomplish whatever's in front of you. But I'm, I'm interested to know how that kind of withstood the storm that you were in throughout that college career. So let me preface that I did do frat parties. Sure. <laughs> I did do it. I did it. You know, I was I tell people all the time Penn State was the best five years of my life and the worst five years of my life because I did endure the loss of my parents. And that was so difficult. It was so heavy because my peers were, you know, again, partying going to school and I'm dealing with the deaths of my parents trying to figure out I had some scholarship money. So my tuition and housing was paid, but like just life, like how are you going to live like day to day, just that missing that kind of executive piece from parents. So that was a struggle. So I will say that um, I truly, uh, you know, my, my podcast talks a lot about this going from discouraged to determined because that's kind of like my model. That's my thing. And that's what I try to do with the people I serve in treatment, as well as the, the trauma uh, survivors that I serve is like taking those discouraging, like life threatening, you know, down on a mat moments and kind of turning them to determine. But I would have to say the thing that got me through was my relationship with Jesus Christ. Like I'm a Christian. And so like prayer, like prayer of church family, prayers of church people, um, and my, my best friend, one of my best friends at the time, who still is currently my best friend, she was a big prayer warrior. Um, and then, you know, my support system. I had really good friends, like my family, not so much at that time because of dealing with all of the we kind of the recoil and the reverberation of the deaths caused a lot of rift. But my friends, my best friends were the best. Like they just were good listeners, um, cry with me, you know, just we just really were there for me. So, yeah. And uh, that kind of prefaces perfectly into the the lessons that we learn in hindsight, right? And a lot of times the things that we go through uh, later on down the line reveal the purpose of what they were for. Um, What advice would you be able to give to your younger self now having that view in hindsight looking back? Yeah, that's powerful. That's a powerful question. You know, if I could, the advice that I would give to my younger self probably would be that you have everything you need to be successful right now. Because, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I, I, I'm not going to, how am I going to make it? 
Everybody has parents. I don't have parents. You know, it's finals week. Everybody's getting fruit baskets. I'm not getting a fruit basket. Oh, it's time to go home. I don't have, you know, going home money. I have to figure out a way to work an extra shift or call my pastor and see if if she can give me the money. So I think I would comfort myself in letting myself know that you have everything you need right now to make it. And it may not look like, don't compare yourself to your peers. It may not look like what your peers are doing. You can't do that. Just kind of focus on what God is giving you and and, and going and moving that. So I think that's what I would tell myself. That's amazing. And I imagine that experience and and kind of knowing that goes into your practice as as you work with others. And we talk about mental health, right? And Mm -hmm. especially with the pandemic, where I think so many people are starting to hear that more. I I think there's more attention around it, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there used to be a stigma around it. Uh, yes, and yes. and there used to be a lot of people who would go through it, and they'd go through it silently. Yeah. Um, how would how would somebody listening maybe self assess themselves? Because we we are all going through a lot, and there's there's being stressed, but then there's some hold on. Let me let me work on some self care here, get some rest, mm-hmm. and, and slow down. Mm-hmm. How could I find the difference between the two? If I'm just you know if I'm just stressed from work, or if I'm actually pushing myself too far. So I think I feel, I feel like that was two questions. One was it was kind of dealing. With, <laughs> that's okay. One was kind of dealing with the mental health piece, and the other part is defining the mental health piece versus stress. So if you look at if you think about the stigma, one of the things I tell my clients because I do I serve a wide variety of populations, <clears throat> and I, but I also serve a, a high number of people of color. And one of the things that I would t- I tell my clients all the time is that you don't have to have a mental health diagnosis to go to therapy. You know, that's that's not how that works, especially people of color. We tend to think of people going to therapy as crazy and all those types of things. But but a mental health isn't necessarily is not being crazy. And, you know, mental health is, hey, I had some life circumstances hit and this is, you know, I developed this or I may be predisposed to have certain things. And now it's kind of outside of my management, you know, so you don't have to have mental health to go to therapy. People go to therapy for all different types of things. I have people that come see me because they just need support week to week. They may have a dying parent. They may have lost somebody. So come away from this, come away from that kind of like putting people in boxes. Like if you go to therapy, that means that you have a true mental health diagnosis, which means that you're crazy. And that's not the case. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a mental health diagnosis is, is just really is just our ability as therapists to be able to know how to treat you. So we don't want to label you. It's not like, oh, she got bipolar and she going to always have these problems. No, it really should be about, we put you in this category so that we can properly know what modes and interventions and modules that will apply to help you get better. So that's the one part of that question. Yeah. The other part I would say in terms of stress versus mental health, I don't know that that's your job to figure out. That's kind of like our job to figure out. Mm-hmm. So when you find yourself in a situation and you're like, I don't have adequate coping skills to make it through. Now, when I say adequate coping skills, I have clients that be like, I'm good. I just smoke weed for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's how I cope. Well, if it's not a <laughs> prescription, which that can be crazy too, but if, it, if it's not a prescription and you're smoking four and five times a day, then you don't have adequate coping skills because you can't deal with life without being high. So then, then, you, then that's when you want to say, you know what, I need to go see somebody and let whoever I go see say, Right now, it seems like you're struggling with depression or right now you may have some anxiety. You know, I don't know that that's something that you, you know, you have to figure out as much as needing figuring out, hey, I just feel like I'm not coping well or I'm not, you know, my patterns are off. Like, so I, I find myself sleeping 10, 12 hours a day. And I'm not seeming to come out of that. Maybe I need to seek some help or I'm having panic attacks that I, you know, and I don't know why, you know, maybe I should see somebody. 
Yeah. And those are things like little hints where a uh, friend of mine and, and we've said on the on the podcast before, oftentimes when it becomes noticeable, it's usually towards the one of the last signs. Yeah, uh, it I, usually kind of goes under the radar for the most part. But it's almost like when you're driving the car and your check engine light comes on. Yeah. Something was wrong before that. Like, right. Came on. Exactly. Exactly. And when you start getting exactly. it, it's like, hold on now. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, some of my most healthiest clients, and when I say healthy, I don't like using normal or abnormal, just healthy. Some of my most healthiest clients go immediately to treatment when something happens. They're like, Hey, you know, Hey, Dr. Dawn, I haven't seen you in about six years, but my dad is dying. And I am, I'm anticipating that this is going to be tough for me because, you know, me and him was close and I'm his primary caregiver. Can I get in for sessions? You know? Mm -hmm. So they're kind of like preventative, like, like this is a major life thing. A major life experience, it could impact, it would impact anybody. It would yeah. cause grief in anybody and depression in anybody. So I'm just kind of getting ahead of the game. I already got some support in place. Those, those are the healthiest clients. And I love those clients because they're coming in and we're already coming up with a plan to deal with just life. Life, death brings about, life brings about death, right? All of us are going to experience it and all of us are going to die. So I love those clients that get ahead of the ball with things that they know that are coming up that may cause them some stress. Extra yeah. stress, additional stress, because stress is not bad. It's when it's when it becomes too much and we can't manage it. Yeah. I mean, it's all about <clears throat> kind of having someone in your corner. Right. And, yeah. and when we talk about, hey, I have insurance on my car in case something wrong were to happen. Yes. Why yes. wouldn't I want to protect myself in case something around me beyond my control were to impact me personally? Right. Um, we, you mentioned coping skills and and some of the, I guess, healthy coping skills. What are some maybe practices people can do in their everyday to manage their mental health before or during their, their sessions with someone like you or talking to somebody, because I'm coming down to the, the bottom line is everyone needs someone to talk to. Yeah, um, definitely. what are some of the coping skills that are, are healthy that we can maybe adapt to also help manage our mental health? That's a great question. Um, and I work a lot with this, with my staff, cause I uh, run a couple programs where part of their treatment performance eval is self-care. And so self-care is very, very important in terms of managing mental health and life stressors. And so some of the practices that I, you know, so again, I have clients that say, well, my self-care is I drink three glasses of wine every night. So, you know, I'm like, okay, self-care, one glass of wine, okay. But three glasses, eh, how many is in a bottle? So you're gonna, we're starting to get into a place where we're numbing. So self-care should always be something that adds to our lives and not depletes us. So, you know, after a certain amount of alcohol, we start to get depleted. It starts to deplete our bodies, right? Also cause some executive functioning um, to go to kind of get suppressed. So we wanna be mindful that self-care is anything that adds to our lives and adds to our physical body. So like exercise, right? But we don't want to over-exercise, but exercise, proper nutrition, right? Really healthy supports. A lot of times with people of color, especially the women that I serve and I work with, I'll be like, well, what's your support system look like? And they'll name four or five women or men in their life or both. And none of them are positive. Like they, so y'all hang out every day, but you, they're busy tearing you down or they're trying to sleep with you or they're cheating on you if you're in a relationship. So how is that a positive support? So making sure that when, you know, the support you have are people that kind of add to your life and you add to their life. There's a mutual give and take that we're there to support each other. Cause sometimes we have those low key haters around us that we want to call friends, but we know they low key hating and they kind of make us feel worse when we're going through something. And we want to say, well, I've known them all my life or that's my cousin, you know, that's not a positive support. So positive. Positive supports, nutrition, exercise, um, 
and also downtime, you know, whether it's vacation, just some downtime. And, you know, and each person's downtime is going to vary in terms of the length, but making sure you just have some time where you to yourself, where you're kind of disconnecting, not necessarily watching TV, texting, which is kind of disconnecting and spending time with yourself. Sometimes that could be meditation, that could be relaxation, that could be mindfulness, but just a little bit of downtime. And it's not a lot. You don't have to have a lot. Five minutes, 10 minutes, that that can help if you do it consistently. We have seen improvements in the research of, of functioning, mental acuity and things like that from just a few minutes meditating. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I want everybody to kind of hit pause, hit the rewind button, play that again, <laughs> just so it, it resonates. And something you were talking about, the, the low-key haters. And I, I heard yeah. this quote not too long ago, and it says, your biggest fan is somebody you don't know. The person that's going to stab you in the back is someone who was close enough to be there in the first place. So it's something to really kind of pay attention to because you will find that some of the people who bring you up the most are strangers who just see you shine. Some of the people who will bring you down and it's, no talk. I'm not trying to talk directly to someone right, in somebody's right, life, but right. we have to be aware of what's in our environment. We have to be aware of the impact that our environment has on us, whether it's yeah. depleting or if it's enriching our lives. Um, I also want to talk about, uh, you mentioned earlier, the role of faith and, and yeah. how that's really been not not just very prevalent through through college, but even further I heard earlier in the podcast and right off the bat that that ambition and that drive, um, what I guess is the the wind in those sails? What kind of pushes behind you that that keeps you so so fierce for your goals? Because I think it's amazing what you've accomplished and I think you're only getting started. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. The wind in my sails is the again, my commitment to Jesus Christ. The older I got and the more mature that I got. So I don't want to necessarily attributed to age. So let me take the age factor out. But the more I matured, period, like in wisdom, and the more committed I got to my faith, the better my life got, you know, because my choices started to line up more with what the Bible says. And I don't can't speak for nobody else, but I'm gonna tell you the Bible is true for me. It it, the Bible says, I, you know, I, he puts into the earth, it will not return to him void. You know, his word will not return to him void. And the more that I stuck with his word, the more that I spent time with him, faith, joining my, joining a local church and actually getting involved in ministry and helping others, the better my life got. So, you know, you think about the, I had depression for years after my parents died, like for years, depression and anxiety. And once I started getting more, the more committed I got, the less those symptoms um, were manifested in my life. So that keeps me going. And at this juncture of my life, what keeps me going is now the give back. Like I feel that he has been so good to me. God has been so good to me that I can, the very least that I can do is help another heal. That's the very least that I can do is to be that guide and light to someone. You know, I'm thankful for my best friends, uh, the group that I have and, and all of them are still in my life. But what, but what I really needed, I felt like I needed, you know, I had everything I needed, needed then. But I think at that time in my mind, I felt like I needed some kind of consistent adult. Now, don't get me wrong. I had a pastor back then, Pastor Rosa. She was amazing. There were people that came in my life, but I just wanted somebody to kind of ride out the long haul for me. And so what I am committed to doing is to kind of being that person and my clients' lives and my family members' lives as much as possible with, with appropriate boundaries, of course, kind of being that guy and like that person that will say, you got this. 
I know it hurts right now. And I know you feel like it sucks, but I'm here to help you. But you have strength inside of you. So let's pull that out of you because you can do this. And I, I just feel like I got that, a lot of that from my peers. Thank you. But I wish I would have had it a little bit more from some of the adults in my life. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's a testament to, to mentorship and, yeah. and the parents that have poured into us moving forward. And, and, and it's amazing that you, you have that vision because, you know, each one reach one, each one teach yeah. one and, and yeah. kind of lean in. And when we talk about mastery, we can get to the top of our craft. Yeah. But someone says, if, if you build a billion dollar business and that's it, it's not a success. That's right. It's what it gives. It's what yes, we, the legacy. as we grow, exactly. As, yeah. as we grow and as we're poured into, we then our cup overfloweth, pours into others. And that's just exactly the, I think the, the montage and, and the way that we all really build a better world, a better life right. for our kids right. and those that follow us. Um, right. I also want to talk about, I, I know a, a number of our, our listeners and, and to all the women who are, who are listening or watching on YouTube to, to, excel through business. I'd love for you to touch on being a, a black professional businesswoman rising through the ranks and, and yeah. really kind of leaning into all the challenges. Uh, I'd love for you to touch on that. Ooh, that's, that's a whole nother episode. Right, how much time <laughs> we got? <laughs> so the, let me just say that um, the area that I'm originally from Philadelphia, but I live in central Pennsylvania and central Pennsylvania is not predominantly people of color. Right. And so it is not been, it has not been easy. And I definitely will say that it brings with it its own unique challenges. So I would speak, if I'm speaking to women in general, uh, let me just say, first, I'm gonna speak to women in general, as women, we can go into the workforce and demonstrate the highest level of leadership skills available. We can be assertive, we can get the job done and we will be considered uh, a, a, a B on wheels or a negative derogatory statement, but a man can do the same exact thing we do and he's an excellent leader. And so the first thing I wanna speak to women about is do not, try not to get caught up in the sexism that we have in our nation in terms of what a woman leader should look like or what a man leader should look like. You, We've seen that with Obama, Michelle Obama. We've seen it with Hillary Clinton, where you know this men can do the same thing. They're great. We do it. We either emotional or we're aggressive, You know, all kind of negative stereotypes that we get on women. So I would really encourage you that if you have your, your, your entrepreneurship goals and you know that you can do this, to try to block out those those sexist pieces that you're going to hear where you're too hard, you're too this, you're too that. And it doesn't mean that you don't have to grow. And it doesn't mean that there are areas that you need to improve on. But 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 a lot of that anxious stuff. So that's the first thing I'm going to say. Don't take on nobody else's mess. That's the mm -hmm. first thing. African-American women take that and then add another layer. We tend to be looked at as incompetent, we have to have twice as much education and degrees than our white counterparts to prove that we need to be, we feel that way, to prove that we need to be in that space. And what I want to share is the same thing I got from Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, is that, listen, nine times out of 10, you're smarter than everybody in that room. They just don't want you at the table. Because the truth is, racial, uh, race, systematic racism is real in this country. Is real. And we see it now, the Capitol Hill riots. We see the difference in the treatment of those people versus us. So that ain't just stuff either. So don't take that on. You have earned to be where you're at, walk in that greatness, 
and you get yourself hooked up with mentors that believe in you, but that's also willing to challenge you and say, you know what, I believe in you. We might want to tweak this without tearing you down. You know, so those are the two things I want to give to Black women. Please, we need you women. We need you in leadership, but be mindful not to take on nobody else's stuff and surround yourself with good mentors. Um, And just hone in and craft. Make sure you hone in your craft. I think one of my biggest struggles as an entrepreneur is figuring out, because I I do so much. I'm a psychologist. I love psychology because you can do advertising. I do all types of mental health. I do trauma. And I struggle on finding my niche. And so I would say, you know, get, spend the money on a good job coach, because that's what I did, to start to hone in on your niche. Because it's likely that you have so many talents that you're not really sure which one it is, uh, which one is going to be the one that you need to maximize. So I would say, you know, invest in a good job coach and figure out your niche. Yeah, I think that's amazing advice because um, one of the first things that happen when you believe in your limitlessness is the abundance of choices to make. And a lot of us get... A, a paralysis by analysis with so many things that we can do. And when we realize we could do so many, we get bogged down. So having someone help us find that niche and, and narrow down unlocks the power within us. And women, I will go ahead and say, you belong in that room. You belong at that table, yes, wherever right. you are, you belong at that table and your voice deserves to be heard in that meeting. So please take that empowerment as well. Yes. Um, yes. Thank you for everything you just said. And thank you for for what you do um, as an example. And you continue to do that. I'd love thank to you. know um, the rainbows, right? The, uh, the goals maybe for, for, for Dawn coming in the next few months, couple of years. Uh, what's, what's next in the next chapter that we're writing? Ooh. So currently we are working on launching a treatment recovery center in the central Pennsylvania area. Um, We're spearheading that launch. So we're in the midst of, uh, we had a soft uh, launching on October the 5th, where we began to train staff. Um, The Treatment Recovery Center is a empirically evidence-based model um, that came out of San Francisco, the University of San Francisco by Dr. Bocellarelli. And she is uh, actually helping us, consulting with us to kind of um, start to implement those things. Uh, Ashley Biden uh, is interested in a treatment center as well in the Philadelphia area. So we're looking forward to hopefully doing some collaboration in terms of helping them get theirs launched because we are kind of at the end of our launch phase and actually about to open doors. So that's kind of the, that's the big thing that we're trying to provide uh, trauma treatment at a grander scale. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, doing outpatient is great, right? And that's we should continue to do outpatient, but we wanna now kind of step into the next phase of providing it at a center. And I also spearhead a, a trauma-based program, family-based program, where we actually go into the homes as well and do treatment. So now we're just trying to open it up for a bigger level of meeting people's needs in this area. That's amazing. And I think the growth is just beginning. Um, how can how can folks connect with you, listen to some of your work? I, you know, you mentioned the podcast uh, yeah. on the episode as well. I'd love for our listeners to have an opportunity to to keep up with you and follow some of the work you're doing. So I am on Instagram um, at Dr. Dawn on the real and that's R-E-A-L. So that's all one word, Dr. Dawn on the R-E-A-L. Um, on Facebook, we're, um, we're H-A-L-A. That's it. H-A-L-A Inc. That's Harrisburg Area Learning Academy, but we shorten it to H-A-L-A Inc. Um, the podcast is actually on Amazon Music, um, um, Apple, as well as Spotify and a couple other venues. And that is Sanity Sessions for Sisters. 
So um, S-A-N-I-T-Y, Sanity Sessions for Sisters, and we spell sisters, S-I-S-T-E-R-S. Um, so that's all of the places that you can catch up with me. Uh, we love uh, getting additional people into the tribe in terms of listening. And we do have an email, which is Sanity Sessions, at, Sanity Session for Sisters at gmail.com. Um, so you also can connect with us by sending us an email if you have any interesting ideas or even thinking that you might really be a good uh, guest on the podcast because we're always open to interviewing. Right now, we're just interviewing African-American and people of color women. Um, but I don't know if we're going to open it up because we do have a fair amount of male listeners as well. So, Yeah, well, I, I'm going to have all those links in the show notes for people to kind of follow through. They can click through, maybe email you directly right from that. Um, but Dawn, I just want to say thank you for, for taking the time to be on the podcast today and sharing with our listeners. Thank you. And before we let everyone go, I have to recap some of the nuggets that you you uh, you dropped along the way. I actually had to put my pen down at some point because I was so engaged <laughs> in the conversation. But, um, you know, from discouraged to determined, starting with taking something negative in our lives and something that could potentially be tragic and turning it for something that determines us and pushes us forward. Um, you have everything you need. The advice that I think a lot of us need to take in right now is that everything we need, we do have, even though we might want more, I think we right. can change our perspective and understand what we need is something we have already. Self-care, what adds us, not depletes us. And we talk about those adequate coping skills along the way. If it's depleting us, then that might be a sign of it being more of an issue and not such a a, a beneficial practice for us to right. have. Right. Um, you got this. Uh, there was about like a three minute point there in the episode where Don just poured <laughs> into you with the best hype speech you ever needed to hear. And of course, uh, don't, don't take on anyone else's stuff. Yeah. Women, anyone out there, if you have any issue feeling like you don't belong in the room or, or you have any subconsciousness, let that go. Yeah. Don't take on anybody else's concerns. Proudly be who you are. Show up yes. who you are and let them yes. be there. Because um, we need you. We need yes. you. We need you. We need the input. And I just think diversity only pours more into the pot. So let's That's right. always pour into that. Uh, Don, again, thank you so much. Thank and you. listeners, we appreciate you making it to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the like button, share it with a friend that you think can get value from this. We appreciate the support. Leave a rating and let us know how we're doing. Mm -hmm. And as for as little as $1 a month, you could support us on our Patreon page where you can also hear extra snippets from our guests as well. We appreciate you making it to the end. And as we always say, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't yeah. get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's go. <laughs> Awesome.